the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, my name is George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 123 of Say What? Where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the determination of school systems working in conjunction with state governments and medical providers to enable the sterilization and mutilation of our nation's school children. Yeah, strong words, George, but uh, accurate ones, I think. Uh, The child abuse by state actors is a topic we regularly bring up, unfortunately, but we do it out of sense of urgency. And uh, fortunately, this practice is starting to attract public scrutiny, including in the halls of Congress. Recently, the House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution and Limited Government held hearings on a topic that they entitled The Dangers of and Due Process Violations of Gender-Affirming Care for Children. And uh, we have some clips of the testimony that was given in these hearings that we're going to play for you. But I think um, some definitions of terms is probably appropriate before yes. we get into these, uh, starting with uh, this this term, gender-affirming care. Uh, What it really is, George, as you know more accurately, is gender-denying medical intervention. That's really what it is. And it involves a number of steps in a child who identifies with a gender that's different from their biology. It usually starts off with a, a puberty blocker, a drug that they are encouraged to take, and the drug of choice is today is Lupron, um, that's a brand name for a pharmaceutical called uh, Luprolide, which, by the way, is a man-made pharmaceutical. This does not exist in nature. This yep. is something that mankind concocted. Originally, uh, the drug got FDA approval to treat prostate cancer. Okay. It works by reducing testosterone uh, levels in the body, slowing cancer growth. It's also prescribed to treat things like endometriosis and fibroids in women. George, it was never intended to interrupt the natural endocrine development of children. That's why every time they prescribe this as a puberty blocker, uh, to stop the development of uh, prepubescent children, it's an off-label, uh, mm-hmm. off-label prescription. Yeah. It's, it's not what the drug was originally intended for. And it has a host of, of problems associated with it that we're going to hear about from uh, some of the testimony. But that, that usually leads to uh, the next phase in uh, gender transitioning, which is cross-sex hormones. So if you're a young woman who want to transition to a boy, of course, you're going to take testosterone. If you're a young man who thinks he's a girl, you're going to start taking estrogen. These are extremely powerful drugs uh, that have, if you take them long enough, irreversible consequences. And Jordan, of course, that leads 
ultimately to body mutilation surgery. What does that entail? Yeah, and and the body mutilation surgery can have a a myriad of of things attached to it. Um, You know, really the very first one typically for for girls is top surgery, Yeah, uh, which is a very nice way of putting the fact that we're going to cut your breasts off. Yep. Um, These are things that if you go back to uh, the 80s and 90s, you know, I would read a lot um, in Planned Parenthood's uh, newsletters mm-hmm. and publications about how they're fighting, you know, gender mutilation in Africa. And yet they're doing the same exact thing to our children here. They want to come and cut off healthy organs off of our children. And, and so this is what they're recommending. And these are doctors from top uh, hospitals. It could be children's hospitals, uh, Boston Children's Hospital. Um, you know, it, even here in Orange County, Chuck is doing things like this. They are. In fact, uh, five years ago, this was not happening nope. in, in, in the country. But uh, in, just in the last few years, the last time I checked, George, there were over 300 gender affirming care clinics pop, that have popped up around the country. Well, as part of the, the testimony uh, in this hearing, we heard from Dr. Blair Peters, who him, calls himself the queer surgeon at Oregon Health Science University in Portland. Um, note his admission that no one has published any studies on these procedures. You're going to hear that. Uh, as you'll hear, he's just kind of learning and figuring out what works. Uh, he talks about huge reconstructive surgery and rearranging anatomy, right? Say what? Yeah. Later, <laughs> he acknowledges that they know almost nothing about the outcomes of these children's. He says, we'll know more in five to 10 years. It'll be fascinating to see how these kids turn out. But rather than us tell you what he says, we think it's going to be instructive for you to hear yourself. But we have to warn you, uh, listener discretion is advised. Uh, there's some pretty graphic language here. So if there are children present, this might be a good time to remove them. It's a short clip, but it speaks for itself. So 80% or so of my practice is gender-affirming surgery. Um, so I do facial, chest surgery, and genital surgery. Um, but the majority of my practice and sort of where my passion lies is really genital surgery cases. So I do a lot of vaginoplasty and a lot of phalloplasty. I would just say they're expanding in either direction. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, a lot of adolescents um, presenting for surgical intervention, but also a lot of people that are, like, in their 70s sometimes coming in for genital surgery and then everything in between. Um, But the the adolescents for sure present some unique challenges. Um, Obviously, there's great evidence supporting pubertal suppression for a whole variety of benefits, Um, But the one thing that is very new is genital surgery in someone that has underwent pubertal suppression. Um, Not so much an issue in um, someone with assigned female at birth anatomy that undergoes a phalloplasty because we're creating something with a free tissue transfer or a flap anyway, but a much bigger issue for an individual that's undergoing a penile inversion vaginoplasty. Um, because we use all of that tissue to basically create the vulva as well as line the internal vaginal canal. And as a specialty, um, those of us that do a fairly high volume of genital gender-affirming surgery, 
you know, we've maybe done a couple, a handful of pubertally suppressed adolescents as a field and no one's published on it yet. Um, OHSU is, we're just putting our first series together as we're kind of learning and figuring out what works. Um, but it's really changing things um, because you don't have enough tissue to line the vaginal canal. So you either have to take a skin graft or take skin from elsewhere or use some artificial product. Um, the way that we're dealing with it is by using a robot and we're basically performing intra-abdominal um, components of the surgery. So we're using peritoneum, which is the inner lining of the abdomen to line most of the vaginal canal. And by doing that, that allows us to use all of the remaining tissue externally to create a vulva um, and try to make also an aesthetic result. Wow. Hard, hard to listen to. Now, during the subcommittee hearing, uh, we should point out that obviously uh, this was orchestrated by Republicans to, to bring public notice to what's happening uh, in, in our society. And of course, there were progressives and, and liberal uh, um, uh, members of this subcommittee that were in vehement opposition to these hearings. And they based their opposition on a number of things. Uh, first of all, they said that all professional medical associations support gender-affirming care. And George, unfortunately, as we both know, that is true. Uh, the American yep. Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association, these big uh, professional medical organizations have all fallen in sync with providing gender-affirming care. Um, it, it's been completely politicized. Yeah. Um, a, a second reason they said that if we don't provide this, if we don't give kids what they want, it's going to lead to further stigmatization and bullying uh, of these kids. And it's a safety issue. They, they need to have this care. Otherwise, they're going to continue to face mental health um, issues. And then finally, George, and I found this so uh, insidious and ironic, some of these uh, Democrats said that gender-affirming care is a parental <laughs> rights issue. Oh, say what? They How? don't. They don't want the government stepping in and uh, imposing itself on conversations between parents and their children who are wanting to transition. Now, POK is all about parental rights, yep. but this argument is an affront to the fundamental responsibility of parents to protect their children against harm. No parent should be able to permanently sterilize and mutilate their children on the basis of a recent ideology, which encourages the persistence of a psychological malady and rejects a child's inherent biology established at conception. And we're going to hear some of the results of what happens to these people after this occurs, starting with um, a woman named Paula Scanlon. Now, this affects women's sports as well. It does. And we've, we've addressed this issue before. Paula was a former University of Pennsylvania swimmer. And uh, again, her testimony is going to speak for itself. Good morning, Chairman Johnson and Ranking Member Scanlon and members of the subcommittee. I'm Paula Scanlon, a spokeswoman and advisor for the Independent Women's Forum and a former NCAA athlete. I am here today to share my personal story. I started swimming at a very young age, and by age eight, I was swimming competitively. And by late middle school, I was devoting at least 20 hours per week to swimming. I gave up countless Christmas holidays, 
weekends, and social events to work towards my goal of swimming Division I, a dream that came true when I began swimming for the University of Pennsylvania. While I am not an NCAA champion, I hold the New England Independent School League record in the 400-yard freestyle relay, a record that has stood since March of 2017. In September of 2021, Leah Thomas began participating as a member of the Penn women's team. Leah, formerly Will, had personal best times in every freestyle event that were faster than the women's world records. Once the season began, Thomas was leading the country in multiple events while only placing in the top 500 in those events on the men's team. Thomas later became an NCAA champion in the 500-yard freestyle, the first NCAA champion in our women's team history program. While many of you already know this, what you do not know is the experiences of the women on the University of Pennsylvania swim team. My teammates and I were forced to undress in the presence of Leah, a six-foot-four tall biological male fully intact with male genitalia, 18 times per week. Some girls opted to change in bathroom stalls, and others used the family bathroom to avoid this. When we tried to voice our concerns to the athletic department, we were told that Leah's swimming and being in our locker room was a non-negotiable, and we were offered psychological services to attempt to re-educate us to become comfortable with the idea of undressing in front of a male. To sum up the university's response, we, the women, were the problem, not the victims. We were expected to conform, to move over, and shut up. Our feelings didn't matter. The university was gaslighting and fear-mongering women to validate the feelings and identity of a male. As an attempt to voice my concern about the situation we were forced into, revealing the unjust and unfair treatment, I wrote an op-ed for the Daily Pennsylvanian, the student-run newspaper. I approached this from a scientific scientific statistical perspective where I use my engineering background to discuss how Y chromosomes cannot be changed by any surgical procedure or systemic therapy. This biological fact lends itself to athletic advantages that cannot be mitigated by lowering testosterone levels, which are readily apparent in sports competitions and locker rooms. The Daily Pennsylvanian published my article on the evening of February 10th, 2022. Only a few hours later, my piece was retracted. I was given no notice nor reasoning. Again, I was silenced from my dissenting viewpoint and felt my First Amendment rights were denied by my university. This is representative of a greater issue, the destruction of free speech. Today, any discussion maintaining the sanctity of women's spaces is labeled transphobic, bigoted, and hateful. What's bigoted and hateful is the discrimination against women and the efforts to erase women and our equal opportunities dignity, and safe spaces. One might ask, why do I speak so passionately about issues that seem hypothetical, or some may perceive as only impacting a small number of women? This is not hypothetical. This is real. I know women who have lost roster spots and spots on the podium. I know of women with sexual trauma who are adversely impacted by having biological males in their locker room without their consent. I know this because I am one of these women. So there's more to this video, um, and we encourage you to watch this. You can go to the website of the subcommittee itself, and you can hear the full one. But we have others that we want to play for you because they're equally uh, important. Um, 
the, this next video uh, is from uh, Chloe Cole, who is a detransitioner. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a, a, a young woman who is transitioning to become a male. Um, and uh, it turned out to have terrible results for her. Now she's an advocate uh, for people to stop this process. Um, and uh, this next clip uh, is uh, three or four minutes, but we're going to play it in its entirety, George, because it's so important for our very, audience to hear. Very powerful. It really is. So why don't we go ahead and hear that clip? This, again, this is Chloe Cole. My name is Chloe Cole, and I'm a detransitioner. Another way to put that would be, I used to believe that I was born in the wrong body, and the adults in my life, whom I trusted, affirmed my belief, and this caused me lifelong irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. I speak to you in the hope that you will have the courage to bring the scandal to an end and ensure that other vulnerable teenagers, children, and young adults don't go through what I went through. At the age of 12, I began to experience what my medical team would later diagnose as gender dysphoria. I was well into an early puberty, and I was very uncomfortable with the changes that were happening to my body. I was, intimida- I was intimidated by male attention, and when I told my parents that I felt like a boy, in retrospect, all I meant was that I hated puberty, that I wanted this newfound sexual attention to go away, that I looked up to my brothers a little bit more than I did to my sisters. I came out as transgender in a letter I sent on the dining room table. My parents were immediately concerned. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals, but this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken to, taken to see told my parents that I needed to be put on puberty-blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son. The choice was enough for my parents to let their guard down, and in retrospect, I can't blame them. This is the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender-affirming care. I was fast-tracked onto puberty blockers and then testosterone. The resulting menopausal-like hot flashes made focusing on school impossible. I still get joint pains and weird pops in my back, but they were far worse when I was on the blockers. A month later, when I was 13, I had my first testosterone injection. It's caused permanent changes to my body. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure um, permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. I look in the mirror sometimes, and I feel like a monster. I had a double mastectomy at 15. They tested my amputated breast for cancer. And I was cancer-free, of course. I was perfectly healthy. There was nothing wrong with my still-developing body or my breasts other than that as an insecure teenage girl. I felt awkward about it. After my breasts were taken away from me, the tissue was incinerated. Before I was able to legally drive, I had, part, I had a huge part of my future womanhood taken from me. I will never be able to breastfeed. I struggle to look at myself in the mirror at times. I, will, I, I still struggle to this day with sexual dysfunction. And I have massive scars across my chest. And the skin grafts that they use, that they took of my nipples, are weeping fluid today. And they were grafted into a more masculine positioning, they said. After surgery, my grades in school plummeted. Everything that I went through did nothing to address my underlying mental health issues that I had. 
And my doctors, with their theories on gender, thought that all my problems would go away as soon as I was surgically transformed into something that vaguely resembled a boy. Their theories were wrong. The drugs and surgeries changed my body, but they did not and could not change the basic reality that I am and forever will be a female. When my specialists first told my parents that they could have a dead daughter or a live transgender son, I wasn't suicidal. I was a happy child who struggled because she was different. However, at 16, after my surgery, I did become suicidal. I'm doing better now. But my parents almost got the dead daughter promised to them by my doctors. My doctors had almost created the very nightmare they said they were trying to avoid. So what message do I want to bring to American teenagers and their families? I didn't need to be lied to. I needed compassion. I needed to be loved. I needed to be given therapy to help me work through my issues, not affirm to my delusion that by transforming into a boy, it would solve all my problems. We need to stop telling 12-year-olds that they were born wrong, that they are right to reject their own bodies and feel uncomfortable with their own skin. We need to stop telling children that puberty is an option, that they can choose what kind of puberty they will go through, just so they can choose what clothes to wear or what music to listen to. Puberty is a rite of passage to adulthood, not a disease to be mitigated. Today, I should be at home with my family celebrating my 19th birthday, and instead I'm making a desperate plea to my elected, rep- my elected representatives, learn the lessons from other medical scandals like the opioid crisis, to recognize that doctors are human too, and sometimes they are wrong. My childhood was ruined along with thousands of detransitioners that I know through our networks. This needs to stop. You alone can stop it. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. Thank you. So since this has happened, uh, she has filed a lawsuit mm-hmm. against Kaiser Hospitals on behalf of uh, for pushing her into medical mutilation instead of properly treating her, according to her lawyer, uh, Harmeet Dillon. Um, so hopefully this is just the start of uh, parents and children who have been the victims of this kind of abuse, pushing back and uh, forcing people to face the consequences of their irresponsible actions, George. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to play the other videos of the testimony, but uh, maybe we'll do a future episode where we do. But in the meantime, we encourage you to go to this subcommittee uh, website, uh, listen to the testimony yourself. It's extremely powerful. Well, Mark, that's all the time we have for today. We want to thank our listeners uh, for um, constantly supporting Protect uh, Our Kids. Please go onto our website at www.protectourkidsnow.org. We have a, a refreshed and updated website with a lot of great information there that you could share, share our videos, share our brochures. Uh, if you would like to continue your, your generous support of POK, there's a donate button. Uh, there's also an invite a speaker button. If you want Mark or myself to come and to speak at your uh, your church, uh, a parent group, or, or, or a local group, um, we would uh, be more than happy to come out uh, and to support and to um, give you, um, you know, just to, to talk through these uh, triple threats uh, that impact children in the public school system. Um, so as you've uh, heard in a lot of these testimonies, it's beyond time for parents to stand up and to protect the well-being of not just their own children, but all children here 
in America from this craziness known, known as gender-affirming care. Uh, so in, until next time on Say What? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.